Welcome to episode 917 of The Sleeper and the Bust. I am Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? It's been a week, dude. I uh, I had round two of the vaccine on Wednesday, and uh, along with Mike Rathburn and Curtis Jones, we uh, went up together. Uh, felt great Wednesday, woke up Thursday, felt the opposite of great. I mean, really, really freaking terrible. And then Friday, felt great again. Spent all day yesterday outside doing yard work. I was going to get back to it when I'm done here. But feels like it's been a month. Uh, it's only been about five days. But my body has been uh, feeling in its prime and then feeling like I'm going to die in the past uh, 96 hours. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's exactly <laughs> what I went through. Um, and I didn't have it bad, as bad as other people, but... Uh, glad you got it. Glad you're going to be nice and protected and healthy. Uh, and glad you're back on the show so we can talk some baseball. Joining us today is uh, a special guest. Someone someone on Twitter said, is every guest a special guest? Hell yeah, every guest is a special guest. But this is a really special guest. My friend, George Montanez. George, welcome to the show. Hey, Justin. Uh, thank you for having me on, man. Yeah, I... I'm not looking forward to that second dose. I know it's pretty much knocked everybody out that I know so, that have gotten it. So, yeah, I know I'm gonna have to plan around that. But yeah, glad glad you're doing good though, Jason. Just really uh, really happy to be here with you guys. Hey, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic to have you join us. Yeah, just make sure you take like the next day off, right? Like yeah. it's uh, <laughs> um. It's not. Uh, <laughs> it's not easy. Uh, Some people sure. have said, you know, spend the day of day of like overhydrating, like drink more than you normally do. Uh, maybe that was part of my problem because I ran four and a half, four and a half miles a day before. I walked three miles the day of. I did hydrate, but the hydration was like capped off with two pints of beer at the local bar after said walk. Maybe <laughs> that was my problem, but it was like two pints. You know, so maybe that was part of the issue, but uh, my body was just probably saying, you know what? Screw you. Uh, but they said the ones that have like had very little uh, had said they spent the day hydrating uh, and like uh, overhydrating uh, the day of and the day after uh, the ones that have, that have been able. Cause honestly it hits everybody individually. Some folks, uh, some folks older than me are like, man, I'm fine. Like my parents have all had it, and you know, my parents are. I have a, a mom, a stepmom, and a stepfather still around, and they're all between the ages of 68 and 70, and they all they had no problems at all. Uh, some people I know that are uh, in their 50s, no problem. People in their 20s, no problem. This 48 year old and his ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> all I heard from that whole spiel was, "Don't run." Yeah, I yeah, know. Just don't don't <laughs> run and you'll be fine. So, George, uh, remind everybody you can reach on social media and then talk about all the things you do because you're 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 working everywhere now, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm pretty busy these days. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at roto underscore nino. And uh, right now I'm actually over at NBC Sports Edge. Uh, so I'm uh you know working the news recaps, uh, game recap shifts, and uh, got a article every week going over. Um, middle the middle relief landscape and uh yeah just just staying busy and really right now through these first couple of weeks of the season i've just been trying to enjoy as much baseball as possible like you know, you put it really well justin uh in the last episode with with paul where you said like right now like there's not a whole lot we could take away from you know 
what's going on in baseball. Like, just enjoy the games, right? Like, we're seeing a lot of, you know, reactionary takes and stuff. And, yeah, right now I'm just trying to enjoy the games. I'm just happy to have baseball back. <laughs> yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, I know every every year this happens. And I think there's been, like, some... Like, oh, everybody's still doing the 60-game sprint thing. I don't know if... I think it's like this every year, man. Like, we overreact. We, we've, we've had... Been, or we've been without baseball for so long. And then all of a sudden, we get baseball, right? And so it's like, oh, let's overanalyze everything. And throw out <laughs> yeah. the last six months of research that we did after two or three starts for pitchers. And... Uh, like I, I, I just want to enjoy the games, man. Like I, I don't want to be the guy who overreacts. If it was like Paul did it right, right? He went on vacation like the week after mm-hmm. the season yeah. started. Ito did the same. Ito did something yeah. similar. He went the week, uh, and it's funny they were both kind of in the same place. They should have planned better. Yeah, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. It's but then I mean there are some things early on though that are, are, are driving us nuts. Like honestly, as, as much joy as this bring me, it brings me. The Yankees look legitimately terrible legitimately terrible uh and it's it's like the fundamental the the defense uh Giancarlo Stanton looks mostly disinterested at the plate and this hurts me because I have him in in AL labor uh but I saw him swing at a slider from Hunter Strickland that was about five baseballs off the plate and that wasn't even in a two-strike count <laughs> that got him the two strikes uh it, it just you know, like I said, brings me a lot of joy. Uh, but yeah, there are some things. And then, like, Tony La Russa is ruining the White Sox. Just He's got Jake Lamb in the starting lineup today. Come on, man. Uh, yeah. It's it's not it's not 2015 anymore. But I, it's some things like that. So, like, if you want to put money on what manager may get fired soon, I don't know if it's La Russa, but if the Yankees don't get it turned around soon, something reactionary is going to happen there. But, I mean, fans throwing baseballs on the field and them outright booing them just about every inning, it's it's not looking good there. Do you think they threw the baseballs on the field because they knew no one would field it properly? I, I think that. <laughs> I think they were trying to uh, to show up Clint Frazier. I mean, earlier in that game, Clint Frazier threw a ball from left field that needed a cutoff man to get to the cutoff man. <laughs> and some of those throws that I saw coming out of the stands were going further towards the infield than Clint Frazier's throw did. So, uh yeah, it was it was it was quite the ugly scene. But today, Garrett Cole's pitching, and so I'm torn because I have Garrett Cole in two leagues, and I also want him to lose. So <laughs> no, no, no. He, he's my he's one of my he's my ace in the in uh, the main event or one of my main event. I I need him yeah, to back I got up Cole what, in a few places. Yeah, I need him to back up what Kershaw <laughs> did yesterday for both my main events teams. So that was man. That's that's been a fun series too. The wow. Dodgers Giants. I mean, this East Coaster has been staying up to watch it and that's that's how as much of it as i can i did get i did get the let's see the first six innings of friday night and i got the final three of last night uh around activity so uh yeah yeah it's uh, the dodgers padre series has just been absolutely fantastic to watch uh yeah. but a lot of great baseball games on let's uh let's talk about one of the dodgers who has not been a part of that series and that's uh cody bellinger he has been on the il uh, because of that, you know, issue with, I guess it's his, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, th- I thought it was like a calf issue because he got run into, right? He got spiked. And now they're saying he's got a hairline fracture in his leg. Uh, this is super concerning. George, how concerned are you with Cody Ballinger right now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, about as concerned as you can be right now, a couple weeks into the season. I mean, we knew he had the uh, 
was it the shoulder issue um, coming into the season? Now he's got a hairline fracture. Even if he's even if it just prolongs his return by a couple weeks, uh, which is what I've kind of been seeing, you really like have to worry about like what kind of production we're going to get coming back. Um, if it's something he's you know going to be nagging that he'll have to play through. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have any shares of, of Bellinger this year, uh, just because I was I was already kind of concerned. So yeah, I mean, at, at this point, it's just yeah, you, you definitely don't like to see that. Yeah, the only places I got Bellinger were places where he like just fell drastically, right? So I, like I picked him up mm. I think in the second round of our Battle of the Podcast League. That team has just been decimated by injuries. Um, <laughs> and I, I mean, I was kind of staying away because I just didn't trust the shoulder. But now we're dealing with whole sorts of other issues. I mean, Jason, what are your thoughts on Bellinger? Obviously, you're not going to drop him uh, in any format. But would you be looking to sell him for like maybe 80 cents on the dollar? Uh, yeah, yeah. But this was kind of the risk that you that you had with with him coming into the season. I mean, we were worried about the uh, the shoulder and the impact, the lingering impacts of what happened last year. So, you know, you already had some injury risk baked in on his price this year. At least that's how I was viewing it. Uh, and, and now he gets hurt on an unrelated body part, which is unfortunate. So you'd have to hope if you were feeling, if you were in the group that was like, Oh, Hey, he's going to be fine. Then this is your injury. Uh, uh, but if you were in the group that, you know, he, maybe he's not going to be fine. And now you have this and you still took the chance on him. Uh, it just may validate your, your, uh, you know, where you were feeling I'm like, fine. Okay. I will, I will see what else I can take because you don't know how long he's saying I mean, hairline fracture. Hopefully it's just a couple weeks. Um, but what if a couple of weeks, what if it turns into a Strasburg thing? Oh, he's fine. Then he goes to the IL. Uh, yeah, it, you know, or he's only going to be on 10 days and then it becomes 30. And then you're like trying to carry, uh, especially depending on your league format. Like if you're in an NL only league, you knew you know, your memories of, of, of draft day are very fresh in your mind and how shallow the hitting pool was already. Uh, and so it's like, are you going to sit there and, and carry, you know, Pick a random name off off the bench. I mean, Nick Heath just got traded from the Royals to the Diamondbacks. He's probably going to get some fab money spent on him tonight because he can run. He's got to replace Tim LaCastro, who's on the IL now, right? And so it's like, do you want to pass on Nick Keith or take Nick Keith or make a trade where you say, okay, let somebody else take the risk with Bellinger. I'll take somebody that's at least going to play three, four times a week rather than picking up a guy that's essentially going to be a pinch runner and may play one day a week. Yeah. Uh, speaking of guys who we can, uh, <laughs> we kind of knew coming into the season might have some issues because he always has issues and he was already dealing with something. Steven Strasburg was put on the IL this morning with a shoulder issue. Uh, this isn't surprising. His, his last start out, he was really struggling. He was grabbing at his shoulder. Um, Jason, where are you out with Strasburg? I mean, I think everybody knew I was out coming into the season, but so there were some, there were some backers. Uh, how are you feeling right now? See, we're on all we're all on video. This is the sound of me wiping my hands. Yeah. <laughs> but this this is a replay from like 2019. I haven't had him anywhere in a couple of seasons. It's just this is why it's like this kind of stuff. Why you just can't count on. You stare at the projections like you're sitting there, your draft software, and staring at like, man, he's still sitting there. Look at these. I've got it. No, no, it just look and pass go. 
uh, and just let it let somebody else take the risk. That's what I've done every year, and it it, it works for me. Uh, I know it's it's awesome to watch his changeup uh, and stuff, but it's you can't count on the consistency for me. And this is one of the reasons why I just let other people take the chance. Yeah, George, how you feeling about Strasburg now? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm right there with Jason. I mean, I, I haven't rostered him since 2018 where he burned me. And then, I mean, he came through for, you know, anyone who took a chance in 2019. But this is just uh, this is just what you kind of have to deal with uh, when you draft Strasburg is exactly the, the kind of risk that you take. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate. I mean, no one wants to see a guy with his kind of talent get hurt. And uh, it's but. It's also, again, baked into kind of some of the price, too, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about a few COVID issues. Uh, it seems like the entire uh, uh, Houston Astros lineup will be out until at least Tuesday. Some players are going, I think they said five you know, unnamed players, are going to kind of uh, clear protocols, hopefully, by, you know, by their next, uh, next series that starts on Tuesday. Let's. I'm going to wrap in. You know the Twins Angels uh, game getting postponed due to COVID. How are you guys addressing kind of COVID issues this year? Because I think a lot of people thought coming into the season that hey, people are getting vaccinated. You know, numbers are starting going down around the country. You know, maybe we won't have to deal with all these issues. So George, like, how are you handling like COVID issues in terms of like your roster construction and just overall strategy? Yeah, I mean, um, positional eligibility has been huge, right? I mean, we weren't sure how, you know, COVID was going to affect this season. And now, you know, you see guys sit out a couple of games uh, with, you know, symptoms after the vaccine. Uh, we're still seeing teams get, you know, uh, get get hit and, you know, have multiple players out like, like the Astros right now. So it's been tough. I mean, thankfully, it's only, you know, we're only two weeks in and, uh, hopefully it'll only get better as the season goes on uh, and more players get vaccinated. But yeah, uh, it's definitely been been tough th- these first couple of weeks. And man, the Astros go to Colorado the first first two games. Definitely don't want to lose that, especially with these guys uh, like Bregman, Altuve, and uh, Alvarez. Not really too sure if Alvarez is going to play the field in Colorado. But, uh, yeah, the good thing is there's only eight games on Monday, so you might have some flexibility with, uh, you know, having to start guys uh, uh, until Tuesday. Jason, what are, you, what are you doing with your kind of rosters to kind of, uh, you know, maybe buffer yourself a little bit from these kind of things? Uh, staring at which teams trained in Florida and extrapolate from there. So far, it seems to be all the Florida teams. Uh, that worked that did spring training in Florida that seemed to have taken this north with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I, I've been, I tried to during draft season, I, I did try to grab, I was grabbing more pitching because I was, I was honestly more concerned about pitchers having the issues. Uh, but so far, it's been all the hitting, but it's one of the other reasons why I did try to grab, uh, as George said, grab more of those multiple position players. Guys that move around, like I, I, I traded for Luis Arias before the season, and now he qualifies 
uh, you know, in my AL home league, we have one game eligibility he qualifies in three, uh, three spots now. And so like, if you look throughout my roster, I've got multiple players that have that kind of flexibility. So it's a little easier to move somebody around uh, to see, you know, Kika Hernandez. I have him in a few places. I can move him around uh, different types of things like that. So I tried to accommodate for that. I guess that's if, if you are somebody who normally uh, is used to playing in your single league formats, because I do a lot of AL and AL only, it's a little easier to deal with. Uh, in, in mixed formats, sometimes those guys, uh, you're, you're not paying as much attention because it's shallower. Uh, it, it, it's a, a, a deeper player pool. But if you're used to playing in that in those shallower, shallower pools, then it is something that you just do out of second nature. And so I would suggest trying to acquire a few guys that have that positional flexibility to allow you to make a late change, especially if you're in a uh, like a twice weekly move, uh, twice weekly moves league. I'm in one of those as well, and I've had to make a few of those adjustments because I have a couple of Astros, I've had a couple of Twins. Uh, got caught a little shorthanded today because I don't have a Josh Donaldson replacement because I, I don't have another third baseman. The other one I have is hurt, uh, so I'm just kind of stuck until I can find somebody else to pick up. Yeah, I think I would, like, if you're looking at Fab and stuff like that, we don't know, like, what the situation's going to be like for the start of the week uh, for these guys. Like, I, I w- might grab just an extra hitter, you know, that isn't in a COVID-like situation uh, this week just to kind of help buffer it in case the, the Twins, um, I believe it's the Twins that are the ones that are... Uh, twins and the Angels. Yeah, the but Twins it, are the ones that are in the yeah. bat. Yeah, Twins are the ones where it's where it's happening like Kyle Garlic was the one of the mm-hmm. players named yeah so if if uh if you have a few twins and a few Astros maybe grab an extra hitter for the week but I think you guys nailed it I mean the positional flexibility is key right now so maybe going and grabbing guys uh that are still in the waiver wire that can play multiple positions uh even if they're a little bit lesser talent just gives you a little bit of coverage hopefully by the time we get through mid-season more players will have been vaccinated and uh, and we won't have to deal with as many of these type of issues. But I don't think it's necessarily going away completely. All right. Uh, let's talk about Christian Yelich. Uh, he really kind of screwed fantasy owners this week. <laughs> uh, you know, They weren't putting him on the IL, so it's like, okay, well, maybe he's going to be back you know, the next day or two. Um, he spends six days out of the lineup before they actually finally put him on the IL. Any concerns this year with Christian Yelich? Obviously, the back is, is a concern, but it doesn't seem like it's a serious issue. Uh, but are we thinking that he's back to being kind of somewhat close to the Christian Yelich of old, Jason? I mean, this is concerning because it's what it's what sidetracked it's what sidetracked the last time we had an issue uh, with him, and that's where it gets that's where it gets concerning, especially given that there was zero discount on him for draft season. I mean, he was a surefire first rounder. I mean, I remember uh, picking 10th, hoping I was going to get him 10th and he went ninth uh, type of thing. Uh, And so now that's where it's, that's where it gets problematic because we're now dealing with, if you combine last year and this year and look at the numbers, it's like, eh? Uh, and Mm -hmm. back trouble doesn't tend to go away quickly. So it's, it should be a bit of a bumpy ride uh, until he shows himself in the free and clear. And like like we said with Bellinger, if you want to go out and take the risk, go kick tires, see who owns uh, see who owns Yelich, and see what the discount could be. Uh, there's no reason why you have to give 100 uh, percent 
uh, right now, but see what, just check on the frustration. You don't know, you, you don't want to be that owner who wakes up and opens their inbox and be like, oh my God, Yellows was traded for that. Don't let somebody else, at least just, you know, hey, I'm interested. Are you, are you frustrated? Let's talk. You know, don't just lowball him and send him some offer of like Buck Farmer for uh, for Christian Yelich. But, you know, keep things moving along. Keep the dialogue going along. You never know when somebody's breaking point is going to come in. George, what are your thoughts on Yelich right now? I mean, he's hitting 333, 459, 367, which is an odd triple slash. But um, yeah. <laughs> he's he hasn't quite looked like the guy prior to 2020 yet. Are, are, do you have concerns that maybe we're, we've seen some regression? Or uh, is this just a small sample? He'll be fine. I mean, it's a little concerning in that this isn't the first time that he's dealt dealt with the back injury. Um, he, he did miss, you know, he, he only played 130 games in 2019. Uh, I mean, it was a fantastic 2019, but he did miss some time with the back then, and uh, it's kind of flaring it back up again. So I am a bit concerned. I, I do like that he does at least have uh, two stolen bases. Kind of wonder uh, how much he's going to run when he comes back. But uh, it's nice that he's been getting at, at it uh, on the Bates path. Yeah, hitting 333, but that strikeout rate is still, you know, carrying over. I, I know it's only 37 plate appearances this season and, uh, you know, had that 30% strikeout rate last year over 247 plate appearances. Yeah, I, I mean, I I would be lying if I said I, I wasn't concerned about Christian Yelich. That's for sure. Yeah, for me, it's, I mean, the strikeout rate is is one thing, but it's, it's the other things in the underlying profile. And again, like I said, it's only like 37 plate appearances, so we don't want to <laughs> overreact. But one of the things mm. that we noticed last year, right, was his swing percentage was under 40%. Um, you know, that the ground ball percentage had started to tick back up. Um, and both of those things are still happening. He's got a, a sub 40% swing percentage. His ground ball percentage is 55%. I'm not so worried about, like, his stolen bases. I think he's going to get plenty of those. Uh, I am a little bit concerned maybe we don't get the power with the average i think it's going to be one or the other that being said you're not selling him right like you 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 know you drafted him in the first round you're not selling him for you know 80 cents on the dollar or something like that you just got to kind of hope that you know he's got a long track record of being an elite play uh player uh that he gets back on track once the back uh is uh better and hopefully considering they waited six days to put him on the il he'll be back sooner rather than later uh, speaking of guys who hit the IL and we're not super surprised by it's Drew Smiley to the IL. Um, I mean, I was a huge um, detractor of Smiley coming into the season, uh, so I'm, I'm not. I don't want to take an injury uh, victory lap, but I mean, I think this is why I was kind of avoiding him. Was we just have not seen him be able to stay healthy over the course of a long stretch of time in a while. So Jason, you're an old Drew Smiley uh, buddy. <laughs> what are your thoughts oh, on oh. Drew Smiley? <laughs> hey, you, like you said, you were, you made raised the point a few times in the off season. It's like, we gave this guy $11 million for 20 ish innings of work. Uh, just kind of overlooking everything else. Yeah. San Francisco clearly found something, but again, it was 24 innings. Uh, and he has a history of having issues uh, with his, you know, his 
man, what did uh, what did our uh, good friend call the drunken flamingo delivery? You know, the, the way he <laughs> the way his delivery uh, <laughs> falls off to the side. So it's like he's had issues in the past, and this is what it is. And, and then you just add in the 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 twenty twenty one concerns of how these pitchers are going to bounce back from what uh, what happened last year and the attrition rate that we're already seeing with pitchers. I mean, some teams are. Yeah, some teams have sent guys down and sent and called them back the next day because somebody else went down. And yeah, there are some teams dealing, trying to just cover cover innings. It's it's like how are you going to get the fourteen hundred and fifty innings as a team? I think that's the number uh, when you look one sixty two uh, times uh, fourteen sixty eight. Uh, so that's what they're trying to do, and we're we're seeing some scary attrition. And it's only the it's two and a half weeks into the season. Uh, yeah, and we have a long way to go. This is if you're uncomfortable now, this is your new norm. I don't, I don't see this getting any better. And you know, the guys that have a history of being being hurt are likely going to be hurt. Uh, you know, the guys that don't have a history of being hurt are likely going to be hurt as well. Uh, we're going to see that. But you just look at this week: Strasburg and Smiley, Colin McHugh hit the IL today with a uh, back strain. Uh, that's what they called it because, you know, he's barely hitting 90 miles an hour and looks terrible. But, you know, and these are guys that have had injury histories and here they are again. So that's just, this is the new reality. This is what we're going to have to navigate in 2021. All right, George, where are you out on Smiley? Were you a fan of his or were you avoiding him? No, I, I was pretty much avoiding him, you know, just for the same reasons. Uh, we, we've just seen it over and over again, his, uh, you know, he can't stay healthy. We saw, you know, last year, he didn't even pitch over 80. He didn't even hit 80 pitches until his sixth start of the season. Giants kind of took their time building him up. Uh, it was only until those last two starts where he went over 90. And then first two starts this season, he's over 90 pitches already in, in each of the first two starts. So, I mean, you know, yeah, it, it's no surprise. It's, it's no surprise. And they're saying that it's not serious, but, I mean... Yeah, the out, the outlook for for Smiley. I mean, you, you got to expect that. Um, you know, he's going to miss a bit of time over the course of the year. Yeah, I wonder because I mean they got to let him go, right? I mean, he went six innings in his first start, uh, went five mm -hmm. innings in his second start, in spite of the fact like he like was giving up a lot of hits and stuff, uh, including two homers against Philadelphia in that last uh, start, but. You gotta wonder maybe they if they kind of tamp things down a little bit. You know the the reason he was so effective, especially you know beginning of uh, the season for the Giants last year was because they didn't let him go deep in the games. So maybe he becomes more of a four inning guy. Uh, you know moving forward, especially with this forearm strain. And while like you said, they're saying that it's not considered serious. That's super concerning, especially a guy with his injury mm -hmm. track record. Um, I, I, I've been staying away. I'm going to continue to do so. Um, all right. Uh, speaking of injuries, both Julian Merriweather and Jordan Romano hits the IL this week, um, which uh, is just killing people who spent a ton of money on them in fab or if you drafted Romano thinking he or was Or dropped him. Or dropped yeah. Romano. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, George, who do you think closes in Toronto? Well, it's looking like it's going to be Rafael Dolis. Uh, I think he did pitch yesterday in the ninth inning uh, in a four-run ball game. So wasn't a safe situation, but it was a spot where you would typically see the closer. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely concerning. You know, Merriweather and Romano both um, have their injury history. We saw, you know, Romano 
pretty much take over that closer job before the finger issue um, came up last year. This year, now he has owner, uh, what is it, owner? Um, Nervite, yeah, something I, like, yeah. Nervite, yeah. Something like, yeah. It, it's nerve it, it damage to good. your oral but... collateral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, they're saying that it's a short-term issue, but that's definitely concerning. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, yeah, Rafael Dolis ends up leading this team uh, in saves the the rest of the season. Um, and then same with Merriweather, you know. I mean, he's looked fantastic, but, uh, you know, now he's got the oblique. Uh, not not too sure how long that's going to keep him out, but those things, uh, you know, tend to be very delicate. So, yeah, I mean, right now it, it's looking like Rafael Dolis is, is the one to pick up. Yeah, this is a huge bummer for me, not because I had Romano or Merriweather really in any spot, but I, I drafted Dolis in a bunch of different spots <laughs> um, and dropped him uh, prior to this. So uh, this is, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kicking myself a little bit. Not that there was any reason for me to hold on to him, but Jason, uh, do you think Dolis is a guy and like how much fab are you guys willing to spend if you're like in dire need of a closer? Cause like I'm in some situations right now where like I, in TGFBI, I don't think I have a save yet. Um, and that's a problem. So, uh, cause my wife has like 10 saves, uh, <laughs> but how, how much fab would you spend on a guy like Dolis, Jason? I, I don't want to, I really don't want to cause it just hasn't worked out for most folks. I mean, with the, and then, Really, we've got to get a better read on, on what the situation with Merriweather is because he when he did it, they called it left hip irritation. Uh, and then it was like, okay, you're going on the you're going on the IL with an oblique issue. And we've talked about oblique issues. Those aren't anything you rush back from. And it was his left hip, so it's his front hip rotation. We know he's you know, we know he's brilliant. That's always been the risk with him. Because uh, he came out and threw two pitches in that game, threw 96 mile an hour fastball, 82 hour uh, changeup, and he was done. I mean, he went into the, the that wrapped up the inning, and then he just didn't come back out. We're all like, "Huh, that was weird." Uh, and then that all came back out. So it's yeah, as George said, Dele- I mean, Delise has got the stuff of what's left. Clearly, the best option. Uh, but it, it, could he could he Wally Pip Merriweather? And when uh, by the time Merriweather does come back in six weeks, Delise has that job. Because before before Merriweather was even on the national radar, everybody said this is going to be this is pretty much Dolis has got a really good chance of getting this job. Romano, sure, but they, you know it was like a 50-50 split, and now the other pieces of this equation are out. So if you know, if if I'm in your if I'm in your shoes and have zero saves, I'm going to be more aggressive. If I'm if I'm already doing decent, I don't need to, uh, but I would at least make sure that the market is you know you don't want somebody like hey I got him for five bucks because everybody else was like eh you know you at least want to keep everybody else honest on it. What about you, George? How much money would you spend on Delise? Yeah, I mean, uh, pretty much right there um, with Jason. It, just, it, it depends on uh, your situation. If you're desperate for saves, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I believe that you know Delise could end up uh, just keeping this job the rest of the season, especially you know if uh, just given uh, the other two guys, Armando Merriweather, given their uh, injury history right now at this point. I mean, yeah, if you're desperate, you you probably go up to maybe you know 15 to 20 percent of your fab if you really need saves but it's definitely yeah not not a very good situation all right uh we're gonna do some fab talk here in a minute but uh we got a question from the patreon uh in the discord there so if you if you want to get into the sleeper in the bus discord 
uh, join our Patreon over on patreon.com backslash uh, sleeper and the bust. Uh, and we have a little section in there for uh, podcast questions. So people throw them in there. I add them to the, uh, the Sunday rundown. Um, and somebody asked, what are some of the kind of commonly misused StatCast data stats? Um, I think a lot of people are, are using StatCast uh, now uh, to kind of incorporate into their analysis, but I think sometimes people don't understand things properly or make, you know, kind of just mistakes in using it. So, George, are there any stats that you uh, kind of see being maybe misused in the industry? Yeah, so we've seen, you know, these StatCast metrics kind of get better and better, uh, you know, year over year as we learn more um, about these um, advanced metrics. And, you know, so something like uh, like a- average exit velocity, uh, we've kind of learned now that it isn't as, uh, it doesn't tell us as much as we think it does, uh, you know, so because... You know, a guy's ground ball rate can, you know, really drag down uh, the average exit velocity there. So, you know, we want to look at barrels or the uh, exit velocity on, uh, you know, balls hit in the air. So, I, I mean, that that is that is one. Um, you know, we've also learned about, you know, uh, launch angle, and now we now we have standard deviated uh, launch angle. Uh, I think also, you know, we tend to look at expected stats and, and think that. You know, over the course of what a player has done, and think that maybe that could be a, a predictive um, measure, but no, it, it's definitely more descriptive. Um, you know, we we could really run into some trouble there if we're relying too much, you know, on, on those expected stats. So those are just a couple of things that I've kind of noticed uh, in my time getting familiar with uh, with Statcast. Jason, are there ones that you kind of? hear or see people use that you're like oh no that's not what you're supposed to do or uh um or maybe we should be using them in a different way uh yeah sure i mean george made a great comment there about the the predictive uh trap where people are like oh just because he's got this you know this is what in Stackcast, it's a measure of what the guy's done. It's not a, it, it's no prediction on what the future may look like. It's like, this is how he's performed. Now, what could happen? It, it could go any direction after that. Uh, but I see a lot of people are like, oh, he's doing this. This is what he's going to do the rest of the season. Uh, I, I do really enjoy further down the screen, if you're on a player's page, the, the last 50, 100, and, and 250 plate appearances, look at that trend line to see what's happening. I think one major, you know, one thing we saw a lot of this spring and uh, Alex uh, Alexander Chase wrote a really good article about like pitchers and hard hit rate. It, it looked at uh, somebody like Jake McGee uh, and uh, and Craig Kimbrell. It's just because there were so few balls put into play. And Josh Stamont is another example. So few balls put into play. The ones that were put in play were hit hard. So it's like, oh, this guy's got a hard hit rate. Yeah, it may have been based on like eight baseballs. Uh, so it's like, but you look at it and you know, a lot of people were running away from Craig Kimbrell coming into this draft season. I mean, there was a lot of talk about where he was going uh, and he's been phenomenal this year. I mean, you look at, you go back and look at his 2020 stat cat page and it was all over the place. 
But again, once they took him out of the closer role, he pitched well. And then he's a really good example. Go look at those trend lines uh, and see how he's been improving and improving and improving. You go to a stat page right now, the entire damn thing is almost like 100%. It is so red and everything's in the, in the great shape uh, with it. But he's, you know, he, he looks like, go watch him pitch. He looks like the dude of old. Even Edwin Diaz, you go back and watch Diaz's outing yesterday and, that, and the following up to Grom. By the way, 17 of 21 outs by the Rockies were strikeouts yesterday. They went 58 minutes between balls and play. <laughs> I mean, it was a disgusting <laughs> game, but uh, Edwin Diaz looked phenomenal yesterday, striking out uh, the three hitters he faced. Um, and so it was nice that the Mets were able to turn it around. I saw a stat this morning. Somehow, see, over the last three years, Jacob deGrom has a 206 ERA, and the Mets are 32 and 48 in those games. It's like, come on. Uh, and I thought it was going to be another one yesterday. Uh, yeah, but he's, you know, he's, he's pitching on another planet. It really needs his own league because this one's just not good enough uh, for him. He's just <laughs> dominating everybody. And so that's really what it comes down to is you really got to uh, – Look at it in context. Look at the try to get the big as big of a picture as you can, but then understand, uh, you know, the pitch. Alexander's article was really good because it just looked at like, hey, here the hard hit rate was based on a very s- small thing. Look at everything else, just because. Because I saw some people saying, oh, well, this guy's going to stink because look at all the hard contact he's giving up. No, he only is, he's not giving up a lot of contact. That's the issue. When he makes a mistake, yeah, he's paying for it. But everything else is, is so worth it. And so, like, if you follow that advice, right now you'd have six saves from Jake McGee. He blew one yesterday, but you'd have six saves. Uh, like, like you, Justin, because you were like, oh, I'm not getting count. I don't want Jake McGee. Uh, and we'll talk about the crow I'm going to eat later. Uh, but I was trying to I was trying to convince you take McGee. I want me, and so I ended up taking McGee and TGFBI. And so I have six saves in, in, in my league um, that I'm in first place in. By the way, yeah. Uh, so it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the McGee one hurt, especially because uh, my my wife did to take him. Uh, after asking me, like, what do you think of McGee? Oh, I think he's a really good pitcher. I just don't know if he's going to get saves. Well, I like a really good pitcher, and now she's getting all the saves from him. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm going to, I don't want to echo too much of like what you guys already mentioned, but I definitely, the, the X stats thing for me is like a huge one. Like, people use that as a predictive stat, and it's not predictive. It's telling, it's painting a picture of, what has happened, not what's going to move on into the future. Now, if you want to use that as part of the puzzle to kind of explain what is going on or what has happened with a player, mm-hmm. that's great. You know, you think a player is getting unlucky, uh, and you go and look over at his uh, X, you know, batting average, and you go, oh, look, you know, his batting average is 240, but his X batting average is two, you know, 85. Like, okay, th- this kind of goes in line with what I thought already uh, because of other things I was looking at. I, I get that. But, like, don't think that, oh, that means he's going to hit 280 or 285 rest of the way. Um, yeah, the other one is sprint speed. Oh, yeah. We see it all the time. Like, mm-hmm. people are like, hey, you know, this guy's got great sprint speed, but it doesn't translate into stolen bases because stolen bases, uh, you know, one, don't, perfectly correlate to necessarily speeds. Some guys are just opportunistic base dealers or, or fast guys are really bad base dealers for some reason. Um, but it's also obviously about team construct, right? Do teams allow their players to, you know, move freely on the bases? Are they going to give guys red lights? And I think just looking at someone's sprint speed and going, Ooh, look, they're fast. They're going to steal that, that, that doesn't usually work out super well. Yep. All right. Let's talk about some fab, 
Uh, it's not as kind of uh, as plush of a week as uh, maybe uh, it has been the last few weeks, but definitely some guys that people are going to be picking up. I put Rugden Odor at the top of the list, largely because uh, prior to today, uh, the Yankees made some comments that they were going to start using Odor every day at second base or pretty close to it and let LeMahieu play first until uh, vote is back. Uh, but today, Jay Bruce is retired. Um, so now Odor is going to be playing quite a bit. Any interest in Rugnet Odor there, Jason? Uh, well, even before the retirement announcement, that's exactly how the Yankees have played the, the Friday and Saturday game of the series against Tampa Bay, uh, was Odor's at second and LeMahieu was at first. Uh, defensively, it's it's been a little bit problematic uh, with Odor uh, there in this series, and he did hit a home run yesterday off of Colin McHugh or... I forget exactly. He did hit a, he did get a home run this weekend. Uh, so uh, minimal interest uh, with with things because even when uh, if when Voigt comes back, then Odor could you know, he's gonna have to find a, find some playing time there uh, with things. So in the short term, yeah, I, I would take a, a pop, especially if I'm on a team where I'm hurting for offense, kind of like my AL Tout team. Uh, would be a good place to start, uh, but I he's already gone. Uh, again, 12-team AL League, you know, it's slim pickings, so it is what it is. But yeah, I would take a, a, a short-term interest uh, in him and be ready to move on once the uh, once uh, Luke Voigt comes back. What about you, George? You any any interest in Odor? Uh not not too much. I mean, I, I think uh, Jason pretty much nailed it there. I mean, if you really are hurting like at middle infield or, or second base there, it's kind of just a short term solution. Uh, I think, you know, once Luke Voigt comes back, he may only play once or twice a week. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a short term solution like you guys mentioned. But I've always been a <laughs> I just, you know, he has power. He's got speed. Uh, he's going to be playing in this in this good lineup until Voight is back. Um, yeah, if you're looking for a short-term stopgap, we've seen stretches from Rugnet Odor where he just goes, like, you know, absolutely ape for, like, you know, three, four weeks. Yeah. And that's all we need him to do. Uh, and like, I don't think, I mean, obviously I think his price is going to go up a little bit today because of the news that, uh, Jay Bruce has retired. Uh, but, uh, like, I don't think he's going to be super expensive. You're not going to have to drop a ton of fab and you shouldn't because the batting average is going to be a problem. Uh, I know he's only striking out 9% of the time so far, but that's only 22 plate appearances. It'll go up. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, if, if you're light on power or, um, you know, you just need a guy who's going to play every day, he's, he's going to play pretty close to every day, you know, at least until Voight comes back and then he'll play some, you know, as they try to give Voight days off. Hey, can uh, I go deep breaking news? Of course. Uh, Alex Wood has been reinstated from the IL, which is funny because you talk about guys that we expect to be an IL. It would be him. Uh, Chadwick Trump recalled from the alternate training site. Jake Begee and Logan Webb go to the injured list. Oh my so god! So speaking oh. of saves, uh, yeah. So that may be it. May be COVID stuff. Uh, maybe it, hopefully <laughs> it's COVID uh, <sighs> side effect stuff. But that's what yeah. uh, Susan Slusser is reporting. So, um, uh, well, the Trump, I would assume it was because Posey got hit in the elbow last night with a ninety-seven mile an hour. Yeah, yeah, uh, pitch. Oh, it so is. Maybe he... It is side effects from the second vaccine shot. 
Yeah. Okay. So All right, perfect. All right, but, I can attest to that because I, I just saw this week. I was like, what? Uh, okay. So maybe hopefully just a day because after what oh, we yeah, talked hopefully... about the opener. I understand. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that means it's just a day. I mean, I would guess, let's say uh, McGee is out for longer. I think Tyler Rogers is next man up, right? Well, um, after McGee, you know, and blowing the save last night, he labored through it. He was not going to pitch today. He's the perfect guy yeah. to be like, hey, take the day off. We need the roster spot to make sure everything's good. But Posey, Chadwick Trump, come on up. McGee, go go play on the beach because they're in Miami. I, I wonder if that played into why he struggled so much. I mean, I know yeah. he's been pitching a lot too, but you you got to wonder maybe he tried to pitch through it, um, and he's just struggling with the, with the side effects of, of that second shot. So uh, don't don't go and spend a ton of foul on a guy like Tyler Rogers, but uh, you know, just in case, maybe you grab him for a buck or two, right. uh, and maybe you can try to sneak some extra saves if, if it seems like. Uh, um, uh, McGee's going to be out longer than just uh, a day or two, and not to derail, but uh, you get because we talked about it earlier. Gregor Chisholm's also reporting Jordan Romano's injury is expected to be a short-term thing. Blue Jays do hope to get him back at around the ten-day mark. So, uh, as you're dealing with uh, Melise, but he's saying the situation involving Merriweather is murkier. They're waiting on information for his injury. Won't be back soon. Oh, womp womp. There we go. All right, let's uh, let's move on to uh, Chad Lowry, who is uh, is it something about just playing for the A's that makes him good, or just not playing for the Mets? I I don't know, man. Like he he signed that deal with the Mets, stole all their money, um, and then now he's he's playing well uh, back in Oakland. So George, what are your thoughts on Jed Lowry? Is, is this legit? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he really played the long game there in uh, getting himself back to Oakland, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he had a really good couple seasons, um, you know, for the athletics in uh, 2017, 2018. So, I mean, yeah, I don't see a reason to think that um, he can't. I mean, he's, he's not going to hit 360, but, I mean, he can go back to that 270-ish. You know, he hits a ton of doubles and... Uh, you know, 20 homer pop, and he's been hitting second every day, I believe. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I mean, if you need someone at second base or, or middle infield, I, I'd much rather go uh, with Larry than than Odor as the long-term um, solution there because it seems like he's going to be playing every day, hitting near the top of the order and um, looking kind of back to his old self, uh, the way he was performing back in uh, for, for Oakland 2018. Jason, are you, are you buying back in on the 37-year-old? Happy uh, birthday, by the way, buddy. <laughs> he just turned 37 yesterday. I bought back in last week over the weekend in uh, in TGFBI. Uh, and I honestly did it after watching one at bat. So Friday night I'm working on, because I actually had drafts last weekend. So I'm you know working on some stuff Friday night. You know, my boy Lance McCullers is pitching, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna I gotta watch this. So I got McCullers and then uh I keep wanting to call him Pinder because that's my other guy. And, you know, he's obviously still a hurt. And that's why Lowry's playing. Uh, and so I'm watching this at bat. And, and McCullers tries to throw 1-0 curveball off the back half. Misses badly. Tries to do it 2-0. Misses badly. Then he gets a strike. And he's like, all right, you know what? I've thrown this pitch three times. I'm throwing it a fourth time. And Lowry's sitting there, like, daring him to do it. And he threw it. And Lowry hit it out of the park. And it's just like watching that at bat, you could tell, like, Lowry looks – like the guy that we used to enjoy 
until he gets hurt again. Uh, but like the, the the issue with the Mets is like he never had his lower half uh, and he couldn't even get on the field. Uh, but when he's had problems, it, it falls apart quickly. But he's capable of hitting. And I was just watching that at bat, I literally sat down right then. I was like, okay, I need to make a move. I'm going to make this drop. Josh Rojas, it's been fun, but you're done. Uh, and I put in, I think, a $3 bid for him. And so I, it's been nice. Uh uh, to have what I've seen out of Lowry, but you know, you got to ride it until he gets hurt again. Uh, because again, the guys that get hurt, get hurt. Uh, it's not like he's going to stay healthy, but where he's hitting in the lineup, uh, he's going to play every day. Uh, and he has the ability to be an above average offensive player. So enjoy the ride. Yeah. He, he had a total of eight plate appearances for the Mets <laughs> and hit, Zero one twenty five zero. Well, he, he wanted to have the surgery. They wouldn't <laughs> let him have the surgery. Uh, apparently, yeah. he did some work in the off season uh, to try to get right. And you know, when the, even we kind of laughed it off when the A's signed, we're like, "Okay, you're signing that dude, whatever." Uh, and he's <laughs> the one laughing. Yeah, I mean, they gave him real money too. I mean, they he got a million and a half uh, for a guy who virtually hadn't played in two years. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's working out. Like you said, you're just going to ride until the wheels come off. We expect the wheels to come off at some point, but you know, maybe he's able to turn this into three months or four months worth of, you know, pretty damn good production from a guy you got off the waiver wire. So, you know what he's doing? He's, he's doing the Randy Velarde special. Remember when Velarde was 37 and had his big year as, as a, he's doing the rain. Hopefully, you know, circumstances are a little different. Uh, but yeah, it feels like the Randy Velarde is special because I remember having Velarde uh, for a dollar in my home league that year, and I was like, "Man, this old fart is just killing it." Uh, <laughs> was it nineteen ninety? Yeah, it's got to be that ninety nine season uh, where he had sixteen home runs, one hundred five runs scored, twenty four steals, like out of nowhere. Nineteen ninety nine. Hmm. Wonder. Uh, anyhow, uh, so yeah, this is what it feels <laughs> like. <laughs> All right. Next guy we're going to talk about, I'm going to butcher his last name, Yuasker Inoa. Uh, oh, wow. All right. It's, it's amazing. I, I actually got a name right. But uh, Inoa is, uh, I mean, he, he started off hot, got beat up pretty bad yesterday. He's still going to be a pretty, uh, pretty well added, I think, in a lot of uh, leagues. So, uh, Jason, what are your thoughts on Inoa? So far this season through, you know, three starts and four outings. Well, we saw the good and the bad this week. Uh, you know, he was a primary target bid uh, for me uh, in, uh, in TGFBI. And I lost out to Rob DiPietro. Uh, but my backup bid was Alex Cobb. So, so far that's worked out well. You know, both guys struck out 10 in their Monday outing. Uh, you know, his uh, ERA was better because the, the bullpen didn't give up a two-run single after he walked out. Like what happened with Alex Cobb. Uh, but then he faced the Cubs and struggled. I think with a Noah live arm, uh, it has a great slider as well, but that's it. That's the entirety of the repertoire. So that's what you got to uh, be concerned about is uh, when he pitches 18 batters faced out. Uh, but even the Cubs didn't even wait to 18 batters face. You know, you know, it's, it's to be one of the two pitches and that's an experienced lineup. And you knew with the Cubs, they couldn't stay that bad for that long. I mean, the, the Cubs had a team batting average worse than most pitchers uh, for a while, but that can't stay that way. And it's just, uh, unfortunately for Anoa, it was like, <laughs> we're going to take it out on you. Um, so it's moving forward with him. It's just, that's a volatility you're going to have to expect. And it would be nice if, if Snicker 
has the bullpen working when we're getting to the middle of the lineup the second time, get them started. That way he's not left out there uh, because he's just the type of pitcher that would be heavily exposed to the times of the order penalty. What about you, George? Are you interested in Noah? Yeah, I mean, uh, that that one stuff, I mean, like Jason said, it's going gonna, it's it's gonna to be a volatile profile just because that fastball does get hit around. Uh, and he's just got really just got that slider. And, you know, this last start uh, against the Cubs was one where you, you know, you wanted to throw him out there because, you know, the Cubs have been really struggling. You know, this next matchup, uh, I, I believe, is against Arizona. It's another one where maybe if you have him, you want to throw him out there. But, uh, yeah, it's a little risky. He's not someone I'm particularly going to be going uh, aggressively after. I mean, yeah, I think it kind of depends on what you're looking for. You're going to get strikeouts. I think those are going to come. So uh, the question is, are we going to see the blowups like this? He's already given up four home runs in his last two starts, uh, and it's not a fantastic uh, place to pitch uh, for a righty. So, and, I mean, in the home runs came in Wrigley yesterday too. So I, I like Noah. I think he is definitely worth taking the gamble on, but I think you're going to have to be a little bit more judicious about the starts. And I think people are getting really, really excited after the first two starts uh, that they're like, oh, maybe this isn't, you know, an all starts kind of play. Uh, and and we saw yesterday, you know, Wilson Contreras taking him deep twice on the Cubs, just absolutely shellacking him uh, that uh, probably not an all starts play. You're going to need to pick and choose your spots a little bit. All right, let's uh, move on and talk about Philip Evans, uh, who is just like just hitting the ball <laughs> the cover <laughs> off the ball um and i when paul and i talked about him i think earlier this week or or, or last week uh we were like i i don't think this is a real player this seems like the guy you get in mlb the show after you've played like a franchise mode for like 10 straight seasons and they just start making up names um <laughs> but he's he's been doing the thing so far hitting 298 389 532, three home runs so far, playing pretty much every day. George, what are your thoughts on Philip Evans? Yeah, I mean, exactly, right? I mean, I had no idea who this guy was before. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, just looking at his track record, never really struck out very much. Uh, you know, so someone who's kind of always made good contact. I, I don't know if maybe, you know, the whatever, whatever baseball they're using this year is, is kind of helping him. But, uh, yeah, I mean he's looking like it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where he plays when Cabrian Hayes comes back. Uh, does he get more time in the outfield? Uh, does he get a few more first base starts if, if, if he keeps this up? But yeah, if, if you're someone who kind of needs a, a corner uh, bat right now, then maybe you kind of pick him up and, and ride him uh, for the time being. Yeah. I wish I picked him up in TGFBI, um, but I missed out on him last week uh, because I have Anthony Rendon and, Kibernian Hayes as my third baseman. So I don't have a third <laughs> baseman right now. And I, I will be bidding on the likes of Asdrubal Cabrera and Rio, Rio, Rio Ruiz this week. Jason, <laughs> what are your thoughts on Evans? Uh, I think you guys also said this because I, I know I'm guilty of this. I kept thinking it was Philip Irwin. Or Philip Urban. That's what <laughs> yeah. I remember. My I'm like, oh, you mean the guy from the Reds that was bounced like? And then I remembered. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember staring. Was he part of one of the multiple trades that the Mets and the Pirates made at one point, or was he? Because I remember when he was with the, was he Rule 
because the Cubs, like you go back and look at his AAA numbers, uh, and he's shown, but it's this AAA. Like he had a good season with the Cubs, but I was trying to remember when I once I figured out which Philip uh, I kept seeing it in the news. It's like why does this guy keep popping up? And I remember looking at these stats, going, "Oh yeah, a guy that walks a lot, doesn't strike out much. Okay, that plays." And then we, you know, we earlier we were talking about Statcast and what gets misused. But one thing that does get uh, maybe underutilized is looking at max exit velocity. And so, like last year, max exit velocity of one ten. So that plays. Uh, and this year, guess what? Max exit velocity one ten. Uh, so it's like last year, if you were kind of looking at that and saying, okay, if a guy's done it, maybe we can maybe something. And uh, Alex Chamberlain's wrote, uh, written some good stuff about this too. And it's like, okay, if a guy's hit one ten max exit velocity in twenty twenty, maybe we should be give him another uh, give him a chance. Uh, and Pittsburgh, just because of attrition, is doing that, and he's doing he's getting it. And I agree with George. It's like they got to find somewhere to play him. Like, hey, have you ever played second before? No? Well, guess what? <laughs> I mean, tr- figure something <laughs> out. It's Pittsburgh. Whatever. Put them in left. I don't know. Uh, you know, it, it, they're gonna make they're gonna end up making trades anyhow. Uh, but they've gotta they've gotta keep this bat in to see what they've got. I mean, he's 28, uh, and and see and see what's there. But it's it's legit. Yeah, and I, I think they're gonna figure out a way to keep him in the lineup. Um, over the course of his career. Just in the majors, he's played first, second, third, left, and right. So they'll figure out a way to keep him in the lineup one way or another uh, once Hayes comes back. But I I do tend to kind of believe a little bit of what we're seeing. Obviously, I don't think he's necessarily going to keep it up at the pace he's been at. But like, there's no reason to think like he can't be like a 270... You know, maybe 20 plus home run guy rest of the way and uh if if he is getting everyday playing time they're gonna hit him you know decently you know decent spot in that lineup because he's been hitting second pretty much every game for the last week so uh and the one game he didn't hit second he hit fourth so this is a i think a, a guy that people should be buying in on he's still widely available in shallower formats uh and especially if you are dealing with injuries at third base and a few of us are uh, I think he's a uh, good person to go grab. Yeah, right, he's hitting 298 with three home runs and five RBI. That, that's the Pittsburgh, that's Pittsburgh. offense. In yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> but the lineup will get better when Hayes gets back. Or, uh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, uh, Kendall Graveman. Uh, I mean, I, there were a number of people um, in the industry, including uh, Fangraph's own Michael Simeon, who were kind of – uh, like, hey, this is a dark horse for saves. And then when the Rafael Montero trade happens, people were like, well, I guess that dark horseness just kind of wore off. But uh, he now has, what, I think two saves. And it looks like he may be emerging as uh, maybe their lead candidate for saves. So, George, what are your thoughts on Kendall Graveman? Yeah, I mean, he's looked fantastic. I, I actually picked him up last week in TGFBI for uh, just a few bucks. Because uh, it had, it's been trending that where you know it's looking like you know, he's getting those opportunities, uh, you know, in in the ninth inning, and that in uh, you know combination with Rafael Montero not looking so hot, yeah, I think Graveman is someone who can possibly uh, you know run away with just with this job the rest of the way. Um, you know, he you know since since transitioning to the bullpen. Uh, has seen his velocity spike up at, and uh, at the end of last year started using that slider more. Uh, he's been featuring it more this year too. I mean, yeah, he, he's looked great. And uh, I think he's someone that, 
you know, if, if you need to, I might, you know, I'd rather go after Graveman than someone like Dolis. I, I think I would have Graveman as the higher priority there for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed. <laughs> I did put a bit <laughs> on him last week in, in TGFBI, but I'll definitely be doing uh, that this week in TGFBI because he is still available there for me. Um, I do think that there's a really good chance that he is he kind of takes this job and just runs with it until they trade him because I assume mm-hmm. they're going to trade everything that's not nailed down uh, at some point. But if you're desperate for saves, I, I think I would prioritize him over Delise this week. Jason, where are you at on Kendall Graveman? Yeah, it's surprising. Uh, you know, as, as George said, the velocity has been up since him working um, out of the bullpen as a starter. He was always a a six starter type uh, with it. But he's one thing we've seen out of the bullpen is he's throwing harder, but he's also throwing more sliders this year. Uh, yeah, and so he's decided that's going to be his, his mix uh, this year. Uh, if you just look at what he did last year, the slider was non-existent. He threw. 10 of them for a 3% utilization this year, 19%. Uh, and so he's still using, he's still using the changeup against lefties, uh, but he's going, he's going fast, a sinker slider versus the righties and then uh, sinker, sinker change up. And I, I'll, I'll try to throw a backdoor slider kind of against lefties, but he's throwing with more velocity and he's just the type of guy, uh, as you said, you know, at with him at 30, let him do his thing. Flip him for flip him for a more valuable asset. This is how teams. If you can find a reliever that can give you some value at the trade, and then at the trade deadline, somebody's going to want and be like, "Hey, this looks good. I'll give you this guy." That's the ultimate goal here. Um, with that, like I went the other way. I took Kenyon Middleton uh, in my home league only because Graveman wasn't available. He was already gone. Uh, but I I was able to get an a hundred dollar fab. Uh, got a Middleton for two dollars. So I'm hedging the bet. I don't want this guy to fail. But now that I have Middleton, maybe I do. Uh, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of guys that I I, I think uh, some people in the industry were on coming coming into the season uh, is uh, Anthony Descalfani, who's looked really really good through his first few starts with the Giants. I mean, clearly he, he dealt injuries last year and was just in the worst possible park, um, I mean, outside of Colorado, for kind of his skill set in terms of being a great American ballpark last year. Going to, Now in San Francisco, the park plays a little bit better for those fly balls. So, Jason, what are your thoughts on Anthony Descalfani? you think he can keep it up? See, this is the downside. Nobody saw me doing the dance on the video. They're like, yes, yes, we, you know, this is one of the we, – we talked about this, you know, with Drew Smiley earlier. Remember – Broken asset, send him to San Francisco. They fix the pitcher, and he becomes good. Uh, that's the, the the loose theory of it. Uh, the other one is you know getting anybody to Cincinnati and let Derek Johnson do his thing. But to be in all seriousness, San Francisco is earning that track record of being able to do that. Uh, and Discofani was a guy that in my bold prediction series, I said he was going to be a top 150 pitcher this year. That's the prediction I made. And I have Discofani in four different leagues uh, that I could get a hold of him. And there was no, nobody really wanted him. I mean, the market value on him was just easy pickings. Um, end game, he was sitting there. I think I got him a dollar, exactly for a dollar in two different leagues uh, with him. So, 
I'm I'm very intrigued. Obviously, very invested uh, in him having in him doing this uh, this year. And I think one of the things we talked about was how they would change him. Was hey, stop throwing that fastball so much. You've got other pitches. Let's let's try to share the wealth a little bit because you look at how he was leveraging his four seam fastball in the past, uh, and he was overusing it, and the league was making him pay for it. And so this year, he's dialed it back, and he's dialed back, and he's. Uh, Spun up the two seamers, spun up the curveball, throwing more changeups, and has dialed back on his four seamer. Uh, and so now he's throwing five different pitches, and he's throwing all five pitches to both righties and lefties. And I've talked about this a, a few times on this podcast. I love the pitchers that are like sometimes I have a four pitch pitcher, but they, you know, one of the pitches is clearly only for the other side. Like we talked about it with Graveman. He hasn't thrown a change up to uh, a righty yet. All of his changes are to lefties. But you look at this Clefani, uh, the change up, he's throwing 26 of them, five to righties, but at least he's throwing it to them. It's in their head. It's something there, but he's throwing four different pitches to righties and lefties. Uh, in total, uh, the change is a little more heavy to the lefties, but still, it's a lot to think about. Uh, and so it, it, it's, it's just something else the hitters can't say, okay, this is a fastball or, or this one's going to be a slider. It's like, okay, that, that ball's moving. Is it a slider or is it a curveball? Uh, you know, is the fastball, okay, is it high or low? Yeah, different types of things. So it's, it's just more to think about. And that's where I think he's having the success um, with this. And I'm just curious to see how the how it continues. I mean, this is the scouting report will get around and, okay, he's made his changes. What, what are hitters going to change? But so far, very excited about what I've seen so far, given the return on investment is has is, been great. What are your thoughts on Descafani there, George? Yeah, I, I really like the pickup for San Francisco. I mean, he's someone who, you know, going into 2020, we saw his strikeout minus walk rate trending up year over year uh, for pretty much four consecutive seasons. And so, I mean, I liked him going into 2020. Obviously, like the, the shoulder injury that he suffered uh, early last year really affected him. And, you know, you mentioned the ballpark. I mean, traditionally... Uh, Discofani has struggled against left-handed batters, and so him moving to San Francisco, where uh, you know Oracle Park is a little more forgiving for uh, right-handed batters than it is for for lefties. So just that, and combination with you know the Giants' track record now with you know kind of uh, having finding su- success with these reclamation projects. I mean, I really liked uh, Discofani. So I mean, it's it's paying off, and it's looking pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he's looked great so far. I've watched. You know, obviously being a Giants fan, watched every single one of his starts uh, <laughs> thus far, uh, only given up one home run, uh, only allowed four walks in 17 innings, which is uh, going to be huge for him, uh, especially for a guy who can struggle with a home run ball. But like you said, playing in the park, I think it's going to be huge for him, uh, you know, being able to uh, use kind of the, the comfy confines of Oracle Park. Uh, that really does uh, kind of hurt left-handed power there, even with kind of the lowered fence uh, in, uh, in that they did uh, coming into last year. But the, having that gate closed, it's making a huge difference for the pitchers in San Francisco. Uh, you know, I think Jason talked a lot about it last year, that when they had that gate closed, it really allowed that kind of jet stream to carry balls out to right field, and it's not happening so far this year. So... Uh, yeah, like Descalfani, if he's available, he should be picking him up because I think he's going to be a guy that, as long as he's healthy, and obviously injuries could pop up. We saw it hurt him last year. Uh, I think he's going to be a very usable pitcher this year. All right. 
moving right along to Steven Matz. Speaking of eating some crow, Jason wanted to eat some crow on this one, so I'll let him go first. Steven Matz has looked really, really good so far this year, uh, and Jason is kicking himself. So, yeah. Jason, go ahead. I mean, I, I, I vividly remembered outright laughing at, at, at this you know, and saying, oh, wait, they're actually going to count on Steven Matz. And, you know, the, the, I believe it was as we were talking about Julian Merriweather and saying, look, opportunities are abounded in Toronto when you look at what could happen there with, with uh, a rotation with Matz and Tanner Houck, or T- Tanner Roark, sorry. Tanner Roark at the back of the rotation. I, I remember, like, <laughs> whatever. Uh, and then, what, Matz is 3-0 now? Uh, and you know, he, he's getting the work done, and he's joining the club of, hey, I don't pitch for the Mets anymore. I can actually do stuff uh, and, and be good. And so it's like, I just wanted to say, I, I'm, I'm sorry if he must have listened. Maybe he used me as motivation, but, you know, he's, he's throwing a bit harder. Uh, he's, he's, he's doing well. Uh, and I never saw this, like you could have said, if I had $1 left and Steven Matz and any other pitcher would have been on the board, I would have, I would have nominated the other pitcher. That's how disinterested I was in him this year. Uh, and it's, uh, so far, uh, whoops. Uh, and so I wanted to just put that out there is that's me eating crow because he has, uh, he has done, he's done really well out of the gate and maybe, Maybe the three wins are all he gets this year before something else happens to him. Uh, but this is when we think back to what he's done in the where, where he has had moments of success. Uh, there are times when he's really good, but there are times when he's also very terrible. But we haven't seen those terrible moments yet. All we've seen is a lot of success. George, where are you at on Steven Metz? Is this believable? You know, I, I'm I'm right there with Jason. I, he was nowhere on my radar uh, at all. Uh, I mean, you have to like what you've seen from him, though, through through these first three starts. And, I mean, he's obviously not going to keep up a 1.47 ERA. Uh, how much uh, to the other side does that ERA go <laughs> as the season goes on? I, I, I really don't know what, uh, really what to make of Matt's. Uh, so far, just, you know, looking at it, it seems like, yeah, Throwing a few less fastballs, going to the slider a little more. Um, yeah, it's. I, I'm not too sure if I buy it yet, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it all could go crashing down, and I mean, I, I I'm not going to sit here and say I was uh, in on Matt's start of the season because I've never been a Matt's guy. <laughs> like I just, I I always worry about Stephen Matt's. Uh, that being said. I am starting to buy in, which means like this is the time in which I'm going to get destroyed by picking him up. But uh, I mean, so far, so good. Plus, he's got that offense behind him in Toronto. It's so good. So even even on a bad day, like he could still get a win, unlike Jacob deGrom, who just has only good days and can't get a win. So, um, you know, you look at kind of the stat cast stuff and you go, oh, this is kind of this is really interesting. You know, maybe. Uh, we're not going to see like a crap ton of strikeouts uh, in the way that I think some people thought when he was coming up, but like he he's limiting hard contact. Uh, you know, I do like the pitch mix change. You know, don't throw that fastball quite as much. Um, yeah, I think this is I think this is somewhat believable. I do worry a little bit about him pitching in Dunedin. 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 Okay, I'm I'm just gonna butcher that like all year long. So I guess it's better than butchering a player name. But uh, so, sorry, Floridians, uh, if 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 that offends you. But it does. 
<laughs> you live in North Carolina now. <laughs> yeah, but my dad used to live in Dunedin. I used to, used to ride my bike down to the, uh, that park. Um, but I mean, and here's what I will say about that: like, two of his three starts have been in really good pitchers' parks so far, right? Yeah. So he, you know, he he started off at Texas. Uh, his last start was at Kansas City. He does have one start in that park that will not be named anymore uh, by me. Uh, and he pitched well. But uh, I do worry that that, that park looks so hitter-friendly um, that it's it's going to come back to bite him a little bit. But I think you're riding the hot streak for right now and hoping that he can continue it going. So We know um, when they're going to Buffalo because it's pretty clear they're never going to Toronto this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Um I, I mean, obviously, they're going to wait until the weather's better, right? So my guess would be probably June before we, we see them go up to Buffalo. But even that, that's not a great place to pitch. Either. No, 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 it's not. I'm just not, uh, like, uh, offensively. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's not the, – the, the, I don't see how they're going to play in Toronto at all this year. Uh, no, yeah. they're, they're not. It's, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, I would be really surprised if they played any games in Toronto at all this season. So, um. All right, let's uh, let's talk about Adam Duvall because he he's uh, he's been one of the more added players this week, so he's going to be kind of a big name, uh, I think, in Fab for those who play in the kind of the weekly Fab setup. Hitting for power, uh, as we kind of expect him to. Uh, do we think that he can get full time playing time, or at least enough playing time to matter there, Jason? Yes, yes. I mean, I like. I was surprised Duval didn't have some more action uh, with some with some of the other teams looking for bats. Like maybe he did, and he just declined on it. Maybe Pittsburgh called him and said, "Please, God, we're begging you, please come play with us." And they said no, or he said no. Uh, but he's, I mean, the the issue with Duval is he is so prone to streaks. I mean, when he gets hot, when he gets on a heater, he can just really, really run and and be fun for you. I mean, he had seven RBIs the other night. You know, we can see what happens there. Uh, but then we look at, then he can go over these massive slumps. Yes, he has a lot of swing and miss, and we'll get his strikeouts. But around that, he's really good at producing runs. Um, and he's been, he did it on the cheap last year for Atlanta. Uh, he had the history of doing it for the for the non-contending Reds teams uh, back then. And he's off to a decent start here with Miami now, and so I think that yeah, you, you take the chance, you take the chance, and, and continue to continue to let him do his thing, and just understand what his flaws are. What about you, George? Are you an Adam Duvall fan? Yeah, so I mean, he's one of these guys who you know, if you draft, you know, pitching heavy early, or uh, you know, try to solidify your batting average and stolen bases, thinking like, oh, I can get power later. This is absolutely a guy that you should be after. You know, he's kind of been like, you know, Schwarber-esque before. Uh, you know, he will get streaky, uh, like Jason mentioned. But, yeah, I mean, two 30-homer seasons before, and it's looking like he's going to play every day. So if you need power, you know, in a, in a 15-team league, he's someone, you know, you should definitely um, go after. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I mean, it's not like this Miami lineup is going to be keeping him out anytime soon. So yeah. he's played in 14 games so far, four home runs. I mean, 239 batting average is kind of what you expect, right? He hit 237 last year in 57 games. Uh, you know, he's a career 233. So you got to plan for the batting average, but there is plenty of pop. Uh, and I think they're going to just let him go, at least for right now. So, uh, yeah, I think Adam Duvall, if, if you're if you're looking for a little bit of pop, he, he's kind of a good guy in the outfield and grab. 
Um, JT Brewbreaker has been one of the more added players this week as well. Um, you know, not a guy that was really hugely on my radar. I think Eno likes him quite a bit, but um, I could be wrong on that, so don't don't uh, <laughs> don't quote me on it. Um, but last start, he gave up one run in six innings, uh, struck out eight. Uh, George, are you buying in on Brewbreaker? Uh, yeah, he's he's definitely been interesting. He only threw like eighty pitches to get through those six innings and and struck out eight against Milwaukee. So, I mean, you definitely worry about, like, how many wins he's going to come across there in Pittsburgh. But, yeah, he's someone who I'm definitely taking a flyer on at this point, especially with the matchup coming up this week against Detroit. Uh, I, I think he's definitely a, a at least a streamer this week, that's for sure. What about you, Jason? Are you streaming Brewbreaker? Yeah, I would take my chance. And, honestly, he's the only Pirates games I really want to tune into. It's like, oh, he's pitching. That's fun. Uh, let's see. Yeah, let's go with there. So it's that's where I would like to see how that how that particular thing, uh, how it shakes out uh, with him, because I do remember, Eno talking about him as like a somebody that I wrote down is I would like to just make sure that I get some get some shares uh, of him. I, and I, as I mentioned last week, I wasn't on because I was I was doing drafts. I had to pay 10 bucks to get him uh, in my in the league that I was in. And it was this was Saturday morning. Uh, but I had to pay $10 to get him because of the start he got off to. Uh, now, then I had to only, I only had to pay $3 to get TJ Antone because of his uncertain role. I paid $1 to get Jose Alvarado in this, in this, but I had to pay 10 to get Brubaker uh, because I really wanted to make sure that I, I got some of that uh, to go along uh, with it. But I'd like, I've watched, uh, I've watched two of his appearances and I'd like what I see. Uh, and it's like, if I'm going to be stuck watching a Pirates game, I want to make sure it's one he's pitching. Yeah, I mean, he's very, very impressive. Keeping the walks uh, down, uh, not letting home runs go out of the park, uh, striking guys out. Like, I think he's one of those guys that people kind of ignore because he was a pirate, right? <laughs> people right. Like, tend to ignore <laughs> pirates for good reason. Um, but it is still a great place to pitch. Uh, the Central is a good division to pitch in for the most part, especially when you've got teams like the Cubs and uh, the Brewers who are striking out at ungodly rates so far. So uh, I definitely want to pick and choose your matchups, but Detroit's not a team I'm, I'm running from. So uh, definitely worth a stream and maybe even a stream and hold for a little while. Hey, and his near name twin got called up today, by the way. Uh, yes. Uh, JB Bukowskis. Yes. Yeah. Near name twin. That's about <laughs> that. I can pronounce his real name. I have a trouble with, but his near name twin got called up today. Yeah, and he could be an interesting guy long-term for saves. I don't know that I want to go out and spend a ton of money on Fab, uh, but that whole Diamondback situation is kind of a mess. Um, yeah. And I think long-term he could be the guy. I don't know that he's going to get a shot right away. Gotcha. Um, all right, let's finish out with Jacob Junis. Uh, some people might be asking why. Well, because he's been one of the more added players this week. It may just be kind of a stream type thing, but uh, pitched well against the Blue Jays. Jason, are you streaming Jacob Junis? Absolutely. Jacob Junis, I mean, he is right in my wheelhouse. New pitch guy. Uh, Jacob Junis, I, either TGFBI or my Rotowire OC, I got him last week. Uh, he is on my on my AL labor roster for $2. Uh, and that was one of the guys I threw out at $2. Uh, 
and because of the because of the new pitch, really wanted to see how it was working. There was an awesome article that I linked to in the new pitch tracker talking about how those two pitches were going to work well together. Uh, and so I went after it. I got him in my in the home AL league this last weekend too. I had him at two dollars as a keeper, but I ran out of I didn't have enough room. Uh, but I was able to buy him back at two dollars uh, and was very happy uh, with how he's looked so far. Yet the other day when he pitched. Uh, Alex Fast put up his uh, called strikes at whiffs leaderboard, and Junis was second on the night. It's like, yeah, it was 31%. And so it's new pitch. Let's see how it happens. Let's see how it works because you know, he was destined for the bullpen, which is the, uh, the, the sinker slider mix. But the new pitch is really working well for him uh, so far. And I've really liked what I've seen out of the two outings that I've watched. What about you, George? Are you uh, buying in on uh, Jacob Junis? Yeah, so this is exactly the kind of stuff that you are looking for at this point in the season, you know, just through two weeks, you know, added that cutter, 55.6% whiff rate on that cutter. I mean, it's it's been fantastic, and it's definitely working for him. Um, I think he's also definitely worth a flyer right up there with uh, Brubaker. Uh, I think I might actually like Junis uh, with this pick, uh, mix change uh, a little more, yeah. And he gets Tampa Bay this week. They can't hit. So, just saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got a pretty good matchup, too. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. This is, I mean, yeah, the pitch, the, the, the added pitch, I think, is is really helping him. It's, it's, it's scary to me. I mean, this is a guy who has struggled to go deep into games uh, over the course of his career, and I really thought he was going to end up as kind of a, a multi-inning reliever. Uh, and it seemed like that's where he was destined to end up uh, until he added this pitch. So the thing about Kansas City, right, is they don't have like a ton of experience on They've got a lot of young arms uh, that might come up at some point. But I think, yeah, I think right now you, you pick him up and you kind of ride with it uh, and see if he can continue it because he, he has pretty decent command. Um, you know, hasn't allowed a home run yet this season. The walks have always been uh, good, but the added strikeouts are huge if he can keep this up. I, I don't know how much I necessarily believe it, but um, yeah, I think I'm I think I'm with you guys. I think I'm buying. I, I still prefer Brubaker just because I think long-term he's guaranteed to have a, a rotation spot, whereas I'm less... Uh, I'm less bought in that Junis does, especially once Kansas City st- does start bringing up some of those uh, younger arms. All right, that is going to wrap us up for this episode. Uh, George, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, man. This is a blast. Uh, really appreciate it. I've been listening, man. Sleeper in the Bus, one of my first podcasts I listened to years ago, and you guys have been awesome. It's been such a pleasure to be on with you guys. Hey, it was a pleasure to have you on, my friend. It's uh, you're one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter. You bring great information, um, and you also like bring like realness, right? Like you're really authentic. Uh, <laughs> you talk about real life issues sometimes too, and I, I always appreciate people uh, who are willing to kind of open up about what's going on. So definitely follow uh, uh, George on Twitter at Roto Nino. Um, remind everybody uh, where your work can be found. Yeah, you could. So you can find my work this year over at NBC Sports Edge, um, doing the bullpen reports. So I'm keeping those up to date. Uh, the bullpen reports, and I've got a weekly uh, reliever article, just uh, highlighting the best, you know, long relievers you could pick up, uh, middle relievers for holds, stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, just doing those player recaps uh, there for that's the the news there at NBC Sports Edge is a big thing, right? That's that's their mm-hmm. baby, the news. 
Uh, so, yeah, helping uh, contribute there a few nights a week. And then, Jason, uh, where can you be reached on the Twitter machine, and what are you working on right now? On the Twitter machine at Jason Colette, uh, working on – I haven't really decided what I want to write about this week. Last week, it was more on Alex Cobb uh, and the, the return of the thing uh, and how good it's looked, uh, looked for him. This week, he's got a Texas two-step uh, facing Houston – and uh, and the Rangers, I think he has the Rangers up first. No, no, no. I think he has the uh, I think he has the Astros up first, um, and then he gets Texas. So he gets a, a weakened Astros matchup, uh, and then he gets the the Rangers uh, in in Costco Field, whatever they're calling the warehouse. Uh, so I forget Globe Life Field. Globe Life. I'm trying to go to a game. The Rays are playing there at the beginning of June, and I'm trying because uh, I have that. Cleveland and Kansas City left, uh, and so uh, really trying to make a put it together and get out there for a game so I can uh, check that one off the list. But uh, I'm very intrigued with Cobb this week to see how this continues um, with that because him throwing fewer fastballs and more things and uh, and more knuckle curves, uh, it's worked really well for him. Like I said, if 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 uh, C. hadn't given up that two run single to to uh, Soler and the fact that the two run single plated Salvador Perez from second base is like, Oh, come on. Really? Who threw that ball from the outfield? I didn't see the single, but my guess is it was hit to Justin Upton cause he's got no arm. Uh, and the Cobb has looked really good. And it's, it's nice. I'm happy for him because that dude's been through so much between the injuries. Uh, I'll never forget being at the game that he took the liner off the head from Eric Hosmer, uh, in, in 2000, um, uh, I don't remember the exact date, but I was in the game, at the game, in the press box, and the crack of the bat and then the thud off when it hit him and how far the ball ricocheted, I thought he was dead. I mean, it was just a sickening sound. Um, and so the fact that he's been able to bounce back I mean, and, and recover from the, the all the time pitching in Baltimore. So I got to look and see what I'm going to do because, you know, Paul even said the same thing. That's why he went on vacation last week is because there's not much to write about these days unless you're looking at like, hey, daily matchups or – or this, it's like everything's still in, in small sample size that I already wrote about, hey, how I'm concerned about offense this year because things are are, are lagging behind where they normally are this time of year. Uh, when you look at the numbers uh, for overall numbers from April and recent seasons and compared to where we are right now, it's it's behind. Uh, and I don't think there's enough time left in this month for it to uh, for it, uh, get caught up. So I'm expecting a down offensive year. Uh, so I've just got to look at some stuff to write about at the Collect Calls column uh, on Rotowire. Typically goes live Wednesday or Thursday. All right. And you can always reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason, FWFB. Uh, I'm writing daily at Fangraphs, pretty close daily at Fantasy Alarm as well. And then I have kind of restarted up the TGFBI podcast, do the Friends Fantasy Benefits podcast once or twice a week. Uh, and obviously I'm here. So uh, that will do it for us, for Jason, George, and myself. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season.